Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Uh, before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to our supporters, uh, especially our patrons. Thank you for supporting the growth of this podcast and helping this um, community grow. And for everyone listening, you can you know continue to support us. We are not where we'd like to be yet. And even if we get there, there's still more room for growth and evolution because we don't plan to just stop at um, one place. We plan to keep growing and growing. So... Um, if you can't join us on Patreon yet, we understand, you know, it's uh, not easy for everybody right now, but you can continue to like, you can continue to keep sharing, you can continue to, um, you know, keep putting the word out there. We, we are an independent podcast, so we are really, really small. So um, give us positive reviews and five stars on especially iTunes and all the uh, bigger podcast platforms. And we appreciate that a lot. And if you put post that on your social media, tag us. We'll see that and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get you a reward. And you can also get our t-shirts at vetclothing.com. It's a black-owned uh, clothing company. Also a fellow veteran like myself. And he's been on the podcast too. So support, support, support. So we'll, with that being said, let's jump to today's guest. He's, uh, I think this is the, the, the biggest living legend that I've had on the podcast. And he's uh, a brother who I'm telling you, there's, there's, there's a, he's, he's, he's a path creator. Without this brother, I'm not sure people like myself will be in this space. And he, he's, he's opened the doors for a whole lot of us. And if you don't know him and you're in the podcasting game, you're in a content creating game, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. You need to go look him up. And you know, you, if you watch even a four minute video, of this brother, you, you're going to be like, wow, yes, you, you, I'm on the right, you're going to jump on the path too, you're going to jump on the path. So special shout out to Desiree for making this um, connections, you know, I appreciate you, sister, for everything. But now, yeah, let's get to meet Derek and Ashong, who is um, the CEO and founder of Amp.it, right? I said well, it. we call it Amp Global. Amp Global, okay, yes. Sorry about that. So, um, Amp Global, and he, he's, I don't even know how to begin. I, 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 I'll allow you to do the proper introduction because I'm overexcited here, but he's been on opera. He's been with some of the biggest names that you know out there. He's, uh, he's every, everything positive just comes from this brother. It, 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 that's just it. But, you know, he, he just recently, uh, himself and his team recently won the 2021 Telly Awards, the one, two awards. And this brother deserves more than that. He, he just, he, he's a man who's just, you know, he's a, he, he, he gives back to the community and not just only in the United States, but also in Africa and around the world. Everybody's benefited from him. You know, he's uh, an Harvard alum and he gets, um, a founding member of the Black Men's Forum and the Black uh, Harvard Black Alumni Society, and there's so much more that I don't think I can do justice to when it comes to introducing Derek. So, please, Derek, do, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? 
Oh, it's it's a pleasure, Rafael, and thank you for that amazing intro. I'm like, yo, man, this dude sounds dope. Who are we talking to? Oh, oh, wait, wait, oh, it's me? Oh, I, I, that's cool, yes. So thank you, man, for the positive energy and everything. I really appreciate you. I appreciate the opportunity to come and, and chat with you. Very briefly, I'm Derek and Ashong DNA, born in Accra, Ghana, raised in Accra in Brooklyn, Flatbush, as well as in Riyadh and Doha in the Middle East, as well as in New Jersey. Every four years till I was 20, I moved to a different country. My career has been at the intersection of technology, at media and entertainment, as you so well put it. And I'm the founder and CEO of AMP Global Technologies, where we're really focused on how do you turn culture into currency mm. in ways that reward the creators, the fans, the people who drive the cultural narratives around the world. Awesome. So thank you for joining us. We are honored to have you as always. And, you know, so let's go back to the very beginning. As you've already mentioned, you were born in Accra. You have Riyadh, you have Doha, you have uh, Brooklyn, and um, I'm missing one more city, all in your childhood, Jersey. Jersey. And yeah. that that's like, just wow, that's the whole chunk of the world right there from your childhood. And, you know, it's like you said, every four years, you know, and yes. it's almost like the, the military way. Right? It was like every three years you had to switch to a different command. That's what it was like yes. for me as an adult. <laughs> so um, what, what was your child? How would you, how would you, um, define your childhood or how would you describe your childhood to um, to the audience? Very nice question. I think for, you know, my childhood was one of a lot of change. I think that's the obvious part. And there's two sides of that. Mm. There's one, there's the challenge of, oh my God, like I'm moving, I'm going to a new place. And when you're little, the first move, all that matters is you're with your mommy, you're going, my dad had already left, so we're going to see daddy. So it's all good. Yeah. Um, then the next move, when it's like, that's Ghana to Brooklyn. When you're talking about you're going from Brooklyn to Saudi Arabia, it's like Saudi Arabia, oh, the Middle East, like, oh, you're living in America. There's a certain perception in the Middle East. What's it going to be like? And, and then, you know, from, from Riyadh to Doha, not too tough, the Doha coming back. There's another challenge of like, wait a minute, like, where are you from? And you're from the Middle East. And it, my experience has been one of the, on the one hand, the challenge of moving into new spaces and, and the, the, the difficulty of shifting mm. from, from what you're accustomed to yes. to something new. And the flip side has been the incredibly liberating experience of discovering that people are much more than what you expect. And often the story that is told about someone is not truly reflective of reality. So I have seen the good and the bad side of multiple different cultures. And I've learned not to judge these books by the cover. And I think that has given me tools or at least a desire to be open to people from multiple different backgrounds and you know, kind of the ability to build connections and build bridges and relationships. So my childhood was amazing. You know, like not only did I grow up in those countries, but because I was in the Middle East, it's super hot in the sum summertime. Oh yeah. So they have to send you somewhere, right? <laughs> so, yo, I'm out there, I'm in Thailand, 
I visit Singapore, Hong Kong. I get to go home to Ghana. I go to my, my favorite place to visit was New Jersey. I go into London and Amsterdam and, and Edmonton. I'm, I'm just getting to see the world because I'm in the Middle East. I'm in the center. Yes. And my parents want us to open our horizons, you know? And so once you get past that sense of, oh, but don't you want everything to be as it was? I was uh, raised in an environment where nothing was ever that as it was. Things mm. always change, right? Yes. The thing that was consistent was my family, my mom, my dad, my sister. Mm. And so I think my upbringing gave me an openness to many people and many things and understanding culture, but also a real value, a sense of value of, of family and standing by your people, staying close together, because it's that root that, 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 a fixed point that enables you to go and explore and connect, knowing that you always have that home base to return to. Beautiful. So, um, in the midst of going through um, around the world and you know, as part of your childhood growing up, um, with all the beautiful experiences that you, you got to experience. What would you, what what do you consider your favorite childhood memory? And it could be more than one story or one memory, you know. Oh wow, <laughs> I have a lot of good childhood memories. My childhood was amazing. It was really really wonderful. I my parents were you know you have issues with your parents when you're young, especially when you're a teenager. It's like why is my father <laughs> telling me this? Always telling me something. I mean, I'm trying to live my life. So you know there was that for sure. But uh, for the most part, it was wonderful. And, I, and I'll tell you like a small thing, right? So when we would travel all the time and my little sister, when my dad left Ghana, uh, she was a baby and he was gone for almost a year and a half in New York, making it possible for us to come over. So when we got to New York, I was like maybe almost four years old, a little less than that, maybe three something. But my sister was like two year old, she's a baby. Mm -hmm. So she didn't really know who he was. So there's this one picture of, of, of me running to see my dad. And he's there with his arms out. And I'm running. I'm like a little kid. And then you see the little sister running behind me. And it's just a snapshot. What you don't see is that she got closer. She saw the guy. She's like, who this? And turned around and ran back to mommy. <laughs> so <laughs> that was, that was my, my first day landing in the United States. But that actually is not the great memory. The great memory is that over time, my sister who didn't even know who my daddy was at that stage was like, oh, this is the best. This is my dad. I love him so much. So she's always attached to daddy. So whenever we would go out somewhere, if we traveling, we're in another country, we go to the mall, we go to anywhere we go, my sister wants to hold daddy's hand. And I was getting older over time, you know, you think you can walk independent, you yeah. do your own thing. But my mom is on her own. She's standing there. No one is holding her hand. So one of my best childhood memories is whenever we would go somewhere as a family, I would always go and take my mommy's hand. Wow. And even when I became a grown up, I could go somewhere and anywhere with my mom and just holding her hand. She's no longer with us, I'm sad to say. We lost oh. her three years ago. Oh, um, this three years ago next week, actually. Um, but that memory of being so close mm -hmm. and feeling like 
I'm going to take care of my mom from the time when I was small. So I became a grown man, that consistency, you know, because home for me was not a specific place. Home was a specific experience. Mm. I think that connection with my mom really made that home. And that is what I, I love and cherish the most from my childhood. That's so beautiful. You know, when, when you mentioned um, your sister running from your dad, it, it brought to mind um, another brother who you 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 love, uh, Brian um, Long Aoe, also Ghanaian born, who spent some Investing. years in in in, um, in Nigeria in Kano, and yes. he he was on episode fifteen of the podcast, and he 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 um, mentioned when he's um, you know some of you know most most times before our parents migrated, one person had to go first and then the rest of the family joined so in most cases it was always the dad who made that trip and so his dad did something similar the dad had gone and then the dad came back um, after a year or two that came on a visit so in his growth stage then he had lost because it was you know technology wasn't like it is now so the, the picture of his dad had kind of disappeared in his memory so I think it was in primary school then. So he came back from school one day and he saw a man laying down on his dad on his uh, mom's bed. Now it had become his mom's bed. <laughs> the dad didn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> and, and so he's like, I can't, I can't like take on this man. So he goes to sit down outside and he's frowning and he's, he said, he said he doesn't even recall this story, but his mom always laughs with it. <laughs> so, so the mom comes home and sees him frowning and you know outside and like complaining and it's like what what's the matter it's like there's one strange man on your bed i'm like what there's one strange man on your bed <laughs> so the mom goes, goes into the room goes into the house and that's your dad <laughs> he, he's sounding like uh today's kids like um there's, there's a scandal Who, who's that when the when the parents daddy. have divorced and uh, one of them moves on it's like oh i, 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 right. I came to the house and found somebody in, in the bedroom no i don't want yeah, that, <laughs> that that's what's the original guy <laughs> this is the original man hey <laughs> so i was i was so um happy that he chose to share that on the podcast because a lot of people yeah. try not to share something like that but it was it was so funny <laughs> but it was That's beautiful awesome. at the same time because it's it's part of who we are you know people tend to forget that and it also reminded me of my brother-in-law he made the journey to south africa um early 90s so he literally left right after his daughter was born his second daughter was born so by the time she had turned, by the time she had started walking into talking, she she had never seen him. She didn't really know who her father was, but she knew the word Papa. So he had now he was now coming back to visit, and his older daughter said, "Hey, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy!" And she runs to Daddy, and that one sees him, and he's like, "Oh, how are you, my beautiful?" And she's like, "Hell no!" You just, you saw that look on her face, like, "Hell no!" Who the, who the hell is this? <laughs> And, like, who are you? and as soon as he threw, he dropped his bags and tried to run and come, she screamed like, ah, and, Uncle Ralph, Uncle Ralph, come get me, come save me. I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird to explain right now, but uh, that's your daddy. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's right. Like, that's, that's your daddy. You stuck with him. That, that's your daddy. Uh, <laughs> she's screaming, ah, Uncle Ralph, Uncle Ralph. 
Like now, now so she's almost uh, 26. She, 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 like that never happened. I'm like, uh, yeah, it did. It like, did. I, I was there. I, <laughs> I was there. Mm, I was there. That's real. So. No, but but this is the thing. Like you see this this um, idea of immigration and emigration, people mm-hmm. moving and seeking opportunity, etc. And and you think about the sacrifices that families make to make yeah. that possible. Mm-hmm. And so many people that the parents don't get to be with the kids the whole time, right? Just to try to stretch and give them a better life. And that's one of the reasons why I think for me, I try to be respectful of immigrants in any country that I go to. Because you know that for that person to be there, had to sacrifice something, had to give something up to leave your home and your family and your people to build a new life, a new opportunity. And you did it for a reason. And it's why immigrants can be such a powerful force for good and, and advancement in any culture that they go to. True. Because they're bringing with them a, a sense of like, I have to make it worthwhile. My, my children don't see me. I remember them, but by the time I see them again, they may not know me. Mm. But I'm doing this for a reason and I have to make it work. I have to make it worthwhile. And I think that that's a very valuable commodity, that spirit of enterprise and, and of commitments and willingness to make something a sacrifice for the greater good. That's true. And that we should be looking at immigrants and, and hoping to connect them with those families so that they can also live a, a good and wholesome life and, and feel fulfilled even as they're contributing to the society. A lot of places are, you know, they're all migrants, this, immigration, that, blah, blah, blah. You want to keep your culture as it is. And then you look at all of these countries that are complaining about people migrating. These are the countries that have low birth rate. Yes. So what's going to happen is you look 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you're going to have a lot of old people who don't have young people to sustain the economy so that they can retire. That's true. And the only solution is to bring people from outside. But if you do so, you must treat them with respect. So I feel it's very resonant for me, these stories of what immigrants go through, because obviously it's my own story. And I think that we are deserving of that respect because we give more than we take wherever we go. That's true. That's true. And um, it, it's very good that you brought that point up because um, I think I may have said this on the podcast before. There was 2016 or 2017, I, I was fortunate enough to be invited to a program at Bloomberg's um, financial, they had a financial program for veterans who they just said, they opened it to veterans who were just interested in learning about financial markets. But not really like if you wanted to pursue a financial career, but they just like give you a teaser, an eight weeks, um, was it an eight weeks course? So I got to take part in it, and I knew it wasn't really my destiny to go along that path. But it was, I learned a lot while in that program, and um, the chief economic officer of, of Bloomberg came to address us once, and the present part of his presentation was um, talking about um, yeah, it was twenty seventeen. Yeah, in 2017. And he, the way he addressed um, the anti-immigration policy of the then administration was, uh, you know, he, he, he said people fail to realize that, you know, if United States had stuck to the anti-immigration policy that was popular at a certain period in time before the World War II, that United States of today will be in the same situation as um, Japan exactly with the the old population that even right now United States is is getting close 
Yeah. That's why the immigrate. You can't say like he, 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 and you could tell that he was a little bit conflicted as in his politics, but he was still like, uh, I can't come out and tell you, shut down the borders, stay no to immigration because it that from an economic point of view it doesn't make sense. I can't. It doesn't make it. sense. It doesn't make sense because it, we we will yeah. be dead. We'll be the country will just die. That that's it. And and people get caught up in the prejudice mm-hmm. of today. They're not thinking about what drives the economic hope and opportunity for tomorrow. Yeah. You know, if you look at the um, at the, the the top research institutions in the United States and the patents coming out of them, 70 percent of those patents are by people who have uh, at least one foreign born team member. 70 percent of the patents from the top research institutions in the United States have at least one immigrant on the team. And, and that's what I mean by that that sense of hustle, mm-hmm. you know, that enterprising nature, that do whatever it takes because I, I ain't come here for free. Yes. I gave something up to be here. Mm-hmm. I have to make it work. And that is something that you can harness and, and value and build on. Man, people looking like, oh, these people came here, they don't uh, I don't speak my language the way I would like. Some of these people speak two, three, four, five languages anyway. That's true. Yeah. By all means, they will learn English. The children will learn. That what are you true. talking about? That is right? true. It's guaranteed. They, say, ah, they don't look this way. It's not what I'm used to. Come now. These are the people who are doing the jobs you don't even want to do. They come in and take our jobs. <laughs> hey, yo, who's driving these taxis in New York? Who's picking them fruits in California? And exactly. Florida? Doing all the works you don't want to do. And Everything. Then the From the, 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 the meats that we eat. The, who's exactly. packaging the meats, you know? I exactly. Mean, all of that. Every, all of those every, difficult jobs. From, from the phones that we use, the technology, the, everything is... The immigrants are everywhere. We're, and and then everywhere. when they get the opportunity to strive, they're going out there and they're... You know, if you look at immigrants from virtually any society, academically and earnings-wise, they do better than native-born Americans. Why? Because native-born Americans don't want to work? No. It's because the immigrants had to give something up to get there. When I was in high school, the kids was kicking it, doing this and this and that. They had all kinds of different interests. And I was like, yo, I'm expected to do academics and do very well. It's what my parents are expecting of me. And they've made sacrifices for me to have this opportunity. When I got to college, even go to a good school. Yeah, you have opportunity. Same kids that I'm there with in this elite institution, like, yo, let's go out to this party. Oh, we going to smoke some weed before we go to this and this. I'm like, no. Because you guys are going to go and smoke weed and then you might get in trouble with your uh, your tutor. Well, I'm going to go and smoke weed with you guys and then we get in trouble and I get deported. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like a completely different perspective. So then I wound up excelling because I'm more focused on a certain thing. And it's not to say that the people who are born and bred are not contributing. It's to say that the immigrants are bringing another thing. That is pushing the envelope. It's pushing the society forward. And then the society doesn't stagnate. Look at what has happened in the United States. What's been the opportunity, the power of the country? Like, oh, we got military might. Okay, there's that. We got economic might. Okay, there's that. Yeah, we got cultural power. There's that too. But what is the truly distinguishing characteristic that has defined the United States for the last hundred years? It is the one country where everyone, the best and the brightest, the ones who were able to strive to the fullest, from all over the world, that's where they wanted to go. True. So the youth benefited from that magnetic pull of bringing all these people. And now you've created this environment where people don't feel as comfortable. 
And somebody who was like, well, I could go to school in England or in the US, or I could go to school in South Africa, or maybe in India, I could stay in Nigeria, I could do go to school somewhere and or go to the US. That kid might be like, yeah, man, I'd go to the US, but they might not treat me well, or maybe I don't feel safe, or I don't feel wanted. So I'll just throw, I'll, I'll study in here in India, or I'll know I'll go and do this degree in, in Amsterdam, or whatever the case may be. And that is a major loss to the nation that has not been reckoned with yet. Why? Because it takes time for them to get the degree yeah. and then to get their advanced degree yeah. and then for them to start their business and then to do their research and R&D and build this wonderful new thing they built. Look at Germany and the challenges that Turkish people have had in integrating into German society for decades, mm -hmm. regardless of how good they speak German, right? Yeah. And yet you see this Moderna, uh, I think, it's, I don't remember if it's the Pfizer or the Bernal, I think it's the Pfizer, the, one of the vaccines oh, I think it was Moderna. that came out, the BioNTech. Moderna. It's, uh, well, it's, it's the German uh, partners that made it possible. And they're Turkish. And they're Turkish, yes. yes. They're Turkish immigrants. So I think that there is a lesson there of like, if you want your society to thrive, as the gentleman you mentioned uh, stated, you need to keep that cultural vibrancy. That's true. That economic vigor that comes from people coming in and pushing the envelope. And they, they help everybody move forward. But when you decided, like, nah, nah, we good. We don't need y'all. We're comfortable. If you're comfortable enough, your birth rate is probably low. Exactly. And if that's the case, then who's going to change your bedpan someday? Yeah. No immigrants. I guess you will change your own, man. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of examples right now. And, mm -hmm. and we see how they are struggling to just admit the problem. And it's like, no, no, no. Then, mm -hmm. okay, well. Mm -hmm. Time, you, 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 you think you got time on your side, but you'll be surprised. You, you think you got time on your side? That, that's how they're acting like, like they got time on their side. And I'm like, uh, that's right. Yeah, you'll be surprised. You'll be you'll surprised. You'll be really surprised. <laughs> you, you got and people out here, you like, oh, they came without papers. I'm like, they came without papers, but they're still paying taxes. They're paying the taxes for Social Security that they can't get. They're paying the taxes for unemployment that they can't they get. They can't get. Yep. They are net contributor. Yep. But you people, you are not doing math. You haven't learned your mathematics, so you don't like these guys that are funding your lifestyle. Yeah, okay. that, that, uh, that I don't get me started there. <laughs> but but let, let's come back to you. Let's come back to you. So, mm -hmm. uh, you um, while you from Doha was the last place you lived overseas as a as a as a kid before returning That's back right. to the states, right? That's right. And. Um, what was it high school you returned back to and before heading yeah. to university? Yeah, I so I did my my last two years of high school in New Jersey. Okay. Uh junior, senior year. All right. So I just want to throw this question. So around high school, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did it change by the time you got to university? Oh, big time. Or like so yeah, what was it? Oh big I'm just time. curious. You know. I I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Wow. Yeah, I want to be in the Air Force. I, I used to know all of the of the aircraft in the U.S. Air Force. And when we were, I was in the Middle East during the first Gulf War. And so when the soldiers would come uh, to, to, you know, when, when we went from Desert Shield into Desert Storm, yes. they'd come in during Desert Steel, Shield. And I mean, we like 15 years old. They're like 17 years old. They, you know, dating the same girls. I mean, they had 
they're snatching them up because we are what we were, we are young and stupid. We didn't know what to do. So, but we would have them come over to the house and and we hang out and my mom would cook for them and we would talk. And I'm like, yo, these brothers are really doing things for their country. I want to do the same when I go. Then they said that I went for some kind of test or something. I was like, it's too sunny. I need more sunglasses. And my eyes feel sensitive. And the guy tested me and he said that I had non-2020 vision and mm. I was going to need glasses. And they gave me the glasses and they made my head hurt and this and this. So I refused to wear them. But they said, you 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 can't be a fighter pilot if you don't have 2020 vision. I was so distraught. So then I came to New Jersey and uh, at the end of my junior year, I was accepted into a special limited program. It was like a week or two just to get to know um, uh, the system uh, at West Point. So I went to West Point for that limited program and I loved it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna go to West Point. And then I went through a bunch of things and, and in my senior year, I got into Harvard and I realized that there was an opportunity that I hadn't really anticipated. And through a variety of reasons, I decided to go there instead. And in the retrospect, I'm happy I made the decision. But the irony is when I went back to Harvard, something, something happened years into college and I had to go for some eye test and they do it for some checkup and they do the test like, oh yeah, man, your, your vision is way better than 2020, man. Your vision wow. is great. You could have been like a fighter pilot. And I'm just like, huh? <laughs> Man, what what are you telling me now? Wow. <laughs> I was like, yo. <laughs> so wow. I'm like, yo, this was the hand of God. He was guiding me in a certain path. I was supposed to be somewhere else. But if you had asked me when I was coming from Doha to the U.S., what are you going to do? I was like, I want to be in the Air Force. Wow. Yeah. Yo, I've always had 2020 vision, which I found out when I was just joining the Navy. And... That I joined like I was mad ignorant. I barely, I was barely four or five months in the states when I was like, ah, I just need something to get me out of the house. And mm. Give me so whatever. And the distant cousin was like, oh, join the navy because I was going to join the army because I said I don't know how to swim. So <laughs> I didn't think about it. In the army, they might want you you to know how to swim too. But it was just well, like, uh, you know, Navy, yeah, no, Navy is water. So no, I don't, I don't want, yeah, I, and the guy was like, uh, join the Navy. They'll, they'll teach you how to swim. I said, really? They'll teach me? Oh, wow. I don't have to pay. I said, why won't you pay? You're, you're paying with your, with your, he didn't tell me in words, but his, yeah. now I understand what he meant. He meant you were paying with yes. your body and right. <laughs> your life. So, yeah. so life. yeah, they'll teach you. Don't worry. So I was like, okay. Yes. And yeah, a whole lot of information you should have given me. Didn't. So when they said, oh, you got 2020 vision. I was like, what is that? I know I can see. I know I can see. Yeah. I, I have good eyesight. I, 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 Nigeria, I could see. I could, I could see a little bit in the dark when I'm. The danger is coming. I'm running. That bad boy. That that boy is coming. That boy is danger. I'm no from like I'm from fast. Nah, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I could I could see enough in the dark. I see. Him. I know his shape is dark, but I could, yes. yep. No lights, but I could see. Yep. Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. But so, what is, what is 2020? They're, oh, you mean you, you, want, you, you want to be a sniper? Sniper? Oh, that would be nice, too. But uh, wait, I mean, I'll be sitting there in one place for like, what? Uh, no, 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 no. I'll think about it. You know? And then later, I was like, maybe I should have done it. I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. And then uh, it was later, one of my uncles was asking me, why, why didn't you try to be a pilot? I was like, oh, you mean I could have been a pilot? I'm like, why didn't you, why didn't you ask? I was like, oh, but my, my, myself, my, 
my morale, my confidence in myself was really low at that point in life. I was, yeah, I never mm. even thought of myself as a leader, but it was later I realized that, man, I've been leading people. I've been doing some crazy stuff. But yes, yeah, when, you, when you've never seen yourself as, as somebody in life, it's, yes. yeah, the, the amount of BS that you allow, the exploitation is just crazy. So that's where it's I was coming from. <laughs> so, yes. so I was just happy that they said 2020 and they just said, I yeah. can see. So I was just, I never knew that there was a whole lot of things that I could have asked for and that's right. gotten. And then a friend of mine who we both got visas, uh, we met at the, uh, at the consulate and she got a visa like a week before I did. And she mm -hmm. said she wanted to, um, also go for officer program she wanted to join the air force i think something medical they mm. has sounded like yours when her eyes got tested it was almost something similar and mm. she got disqualified but she was like um she she didn't she tried to tell me that she didn't buy it but i was like oh you, you can't see your eyes not good i didn't really listen to her then i wasn't that i wasn't a good friend i didn't listen oh. i was like yeah, the, the system is 100%. Yeah, they're, they're right. They, they, they can't be wrong. <laughs> but this is the thing. It's like when you don't know, you don't know. Like, you know, uh, I'm not a, a big fan of Donald Rumsfeld, but he did say something interesting uh, one time about the idea of known unknowns and unknown unknowns. Mm. And this is the challenge of youth. It's like there's so many things you don't know, yeah. and you don't know you don't know them. And you said something I think is quite profound. The idea of like, you know, when you don't know how to value yourself enough, you can miss out on a lot and you can be taken advantage of. You don't know what to ask for. And it happens to everybody. Like you, you're finding that path of like, how do I know who I am? What do I bring to the table? And, and what is that worth? And it's why it's so important to kind of connect with people and to mentor people. Like I, I'll tell you, I was having a conversation with a, uh, a Nigerian friend today, earlier today, and very brilliant uh, entrepreneur. But we were talking about how in African culture, we, we venerate our elders, we respect our elders. Yes. I think that's a very good thing. But I think that sometimes elders do not respect the young. And especially when I, you come I, to I, I questions of leadership. Mm -hmm. You see, when it comes to questions of leadership, you have people who you've cultivated these young people. They have worked hard. They've fought. They've proven what they can do. They are there. They're hungry. They're ready to contribute. They're looking for you to bring them up to the best way they can. And when they've proven more, then they go to the next level and the next and the next. And then we have so many leaders who will basically look down on this. You, the same young person. Like I was trying to explain to somebody. I was like, hey, man, don't be there. You, 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 when uh, Obama came to Ghana, Okay, President of the United States, who's at the time like 47, 48 years old. And they roll out the red carpets and they have the streets and the signs and everything. It's like, welcome, Obama. We're so happy to have you. Real, really a wonderful, glorious uh, um, uh, welcoming. And that's a good thing. Yes. Well, I'm like, let, let you be a Ghanaian of 47 years old. I don't care what you have done. You have a Nobel Peace Prize. They have Nobel Prize in astrophysics. These guys won't even talk to you. Like, ah, nah. you small boy. Come nah. on, fetch, fetch water. We are thirsty. <laughs> eh? Eh? Come talk to me when you are 60. I'm like, yo, what, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. We got real resources here. We got real people. And we don't respect them. Add the other element to it. 
that same young African with all the skills that she has developed or that he has developed to bring to the table. If they have a person coming in from uh, Denmark or from, you know what I'm saying, uh, you, you rolling in from, from, from uh, uh, Dusseldorf and now you're going to come and be like, hey, this is what I got to bring to the table. Like, oh, yes, it's very interesting. That's my boy. What's happening? <laughs> and, you know, people don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear it. They don't feel good that Derek came out and said it out loud. But that's the colonized mind. Exactly. Where you don't value yourself enough to see greatness in the people you've cultivated. It's a form of anti-blackness that, we, that, we, that we, we've adopted. And absolutely, you know, I like that you you mentioned the, the the point about elders, because as a kid, you know, now I can look back in retrospect and look back at examples that were set for me, and that's why I decided by the time I knew I was going to become a father that I'm not going to be that example to my daughter, and I will try not to be that example to the youths around me. Um, just from, because it always begins with the little details. I don't even go to the big examples anymore. I just use the little details when people try to make arguments with me. So I always remember this game of Scrabble that I was playing with my, my cousin when one of these, I'll call him an uncle. I really, I really remember him that one time he visited. And I was um, 14 or 15. And this guy comes to spend like a, a week with us. Hey, let me play Scrabble with you guys. What are you guys playing? Scrabble? Let me play. Okay. I'll give you one one tile. All right. You know, you know you know the rules? Yes, I know the rules. All right. Uh I'm challenging. That's not a word. Okay. Give you the dictionary. Next thing, this guy is like, are you challenging? What are you I thought you're looking up the word that the person spelled? This guy is reading. He's reading. He's reading dictionary right in front of us. Like, um, excuse me, excuse me, sir. You know, you, you're supposed to just look up the word and then close the dictionary. That's, you know, oh, 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 I know what I'm doing. What, 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 small boy, shut up. Uh, He's cheating his Scrabble. Yeah, he's cheating right in front of us. And I'm like, uh, uh, uncle, that's, uh, uh, excuse me. He's like, shut up. And then my older cousin, who's a little bit bigger than me, was like, okay, let, let, excuse me, uncle. He's like, shut up, you small boys, you don't have respect. You don't have respect. I'm like, you know, when I start looking back, there's a whole lot of people who did that to me. Yes. And it was always when you had a question. Yes. That, okay, you told me Fela was a bad man because he smoked. He smoked. That's how I grew up. Fela was a bad man because he smoked mm. weed. Not the music. Mm -hmm. So that's why Fela was bad until I became almost uh, 20. That was, that's when I was I started like breaking out of that. Fela, but he had died by then. And... It was, you know, it was after it was at his funeral that he started the the the, the charade kind of broke free because as I seen the people who were telling me it was bad saying oh oh this is Nigeria lost a great man ah, wait you all were telling me it was a bad man you know growing up because he smoked weed everybody who smoked weed you're bad automatically but as a kid I saw one of the wealthiest people in the family and a woman because women weren't supposed to smoke too I saw that woman smoking with a cigarette or weed at a party. She was talking to one of the dignitaries and she was Auntie. And I was like, oh, as a kid, I think I was probably seven. I think I'm not, I don't think I was older than seven. But I didn't say it to her, but I just ran up to one of the oldest person I could find. I was like, hey, um, I saw this auntie smoking. I thought, is she a bad person now? I'm confused. And man, I got a slap. That was a slap <laughs> in my face. Like, what the hell wrong with you? Get out of here. 
And I'm like, how many times did you send, what kind of message did you give that child? What kind of, like, see, how many times, because that is the first interpretation of leadership that we get is from the people around us. And when right. you start exploiting children, when you start exploiting the people in your in your compound, when you start exploiting, then it starts to, it, it creates a ripple effect into the community. Right. And then when they get older, they now become the elders too. And then they start repaying it. And they, they you know? perpetrate the same nonsense and then, to the we, next generation. We, we always say the government. The government, I'm like, we are the government too. We become the government. Exactly. Because the government, government were children. They, were, they started as yes. somebody and they adopted that same message of abuse. So the moment I started noticing that, I started in my own little way, like, okay, I'm going to stop this. This I don't, I don't agree with this one. Then you start fighting because you have to start fighting everybody. Because when you say, wait, I don't think this is right that you tell the kids, go buy me beer. And when the child like, hey, well, why, why every time you send me to go buy this drink? What is this drink that you send me to go buy? Shut up. Don't ask questions. You're a stupid boy. It's not a stupid exactly. boy for asking. You have, a, you have a right to explain to him, this is not a drink for you. I'm too lazy to go exactly. buy it myself. Why don't you tell him? <laughs> you see, and then you, you want your society to improve. But your children who are naturally curious, you're not helping them cultivate the curiosity. Mm -hmm. You're downgrading them for asking questions. For asking questions. You're not explaining to them for them to develop critical thought. Yes. Then they're going to grow up without that critical thought. And be led by the nose by crooked leaders who will say anything just to get power. And then you're complaining, complaining about the country is not moving forward. Ah, we, we are always behind. Why? Why? Who's the fault? Always easy to look at somebody else, but where are we at? And I think that when we're thinking about this next generation, they're inundated with information. Yes. They're going to find out whether you share with them or not. Mm -hmm. The problem is it can be very dangerous when they go to find out on their own when there's so much information out there. Some of it is not right for your child. Yeah. Sometimes you have to learn certain things at different stages. So we have to make a different kind of investment in this next generation. We have to hold the hand. Like my mommy held my hand. Exactly. I thought I was holding her hand. Yes. But she was holding mine. That's what was really happening. I think I'm protecting my mom. But she was looking out for me. And that's and good parenting. That's good parenting. That's the thing. They allow you feel you are participating. You know, yes. my, my daughter will be three in August. And I already allow her, thank you. Allow her, you know, get involved. I do volunteering on Saturday at a small community garden. And they, they have toys for kids. So she's there, like she's playing. But once in a while, she just going to come up yeah. to me. Like, you know, I'm doing gardening and some little stuff. It keep, helps me meditate. And she comes up to me and she's like, I want to do, I want, I want to help. Like so last one time she actually, those were her words, I want to help. It's not like she can lift the amount of um, dirt that I'm putting in a wheelbarrow, but she just wants yeah. to act like she's doing it with me. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's right. fine. It's a moment that I won't have this moment in, 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 in the future. I won't have this time anymore. Right. So I that's get to right. cherish it, but it's doing something to her also because she's participating. So it's like exactly. um, I have a video of her, I was pushing a wheelbarrow full of dirt. And, you know, it's kind of like you, you holding your mom's hands but your, yeah. it was your mom holding your hands. So yes. my, my daughter is there thinking like she's pushing the wheelbarrow. You know, That's you, you right. can tell from her face, like she's the one pushing yes. the wheelbarrow. She's like, oh, it's heavy, it's heavy. And I'm like, yes, it's heavy. I'm Charlie, it's heavy on me too. I'm, I ain't gonna lie. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but it's that thing, it's our role to do that for the kids. 
But at the same That's time, right. allow them to participate. Allow her voice. She, she can't give you a whole paragraph of sentences, but she can tell you, no, I don't like it. Yes. And I'm saying, yes, yes. I respect that. I, it starts early. I start letting you know I will respect That's your right. views on let it. Because I don't say, oh, you're a child. What do you know? What do you know? You know certain no, things. No, exactly. Exactly. And you and you know what you're comfortable with and you know what you're not comfortable with. And especially, you know, I have two daughters. Now they're they're 10 and 8. And and I, I love that that they learn how to say no. Yes. And I taught them. I'm like, let me tell you the power of no. We're gonna learn how to say no. I like you got the basic no. Okay, like no. Like that's basically, you know, like no thanks. Like, mm -hmm. hey, do you want uh an extra cookie? No, 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 thanks. Okay. Then you've got like the, the strong no, like, hey, some kid is at, at school, like, give me your lunch. Like, no. Okay. Then you've got the, the big one. When somebody is like, hey, little girl, you want to, why don't you come and get this candy? You want a candy? Hell no. Exactly. My wife was like, why are you teaching them these bad words? I'm like, ah, it's not a bad word. Hell no is very important. It starts oh. with, it starts it's, with a little. If they don't know how to say yeah. the little no, they're not going to get to the big no. You know, yesterday right. at the playground, a bigger kid was throwing sands. I wasn't there, but my wife's telling me that the bigger kids were, were there and they're throwing sands at everybody. And my daughter stood up to a kid who was like um, eight or 10 years old and said, no, that's not nice. Yes. And I was like clapping for her. I was like, that is amazing. I'm not telling you to go yes. punch somebody on it, but you have to, you got to start letting somewhere. You have to somewhere. stand up for yourself. You start you have to stand up for yourself. And, and that's what we need this generation. They have to have that inner fortitude. They don't need to be beating that ass, stupid child. Wow, yeah. what are you asking? Like, no, 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 no. You're a precious, precious child. Yeah. We're not going to let you just do anything. We're not just going to be like, you want it, so you have it. No. You will learn discipline. You will learn respect. Exactly. But you will learn it by example. We will also show you we have discipline. We'll also show you we have respect for you too. And your small mind, your small body, your soul is big. We allow you to grow, grow and bigger. We'll, exactly. So you know, my, my 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 daughter, she she can I, sometimes I'm like, oh, your diaper needs to be changed. Like, no. I'm like, yeah, I'll overrule you on that. And I'll tell exactly. you why I'm overruling you, because you yes. can't have a dirty diaper running around. We're not doing exactly. that. We're not doing that. Exactly. I don't want it stinking up the whole place because you. And we ain't nobody trying to hang out with you. Yeah. You don't do the basics. We, we don't do that. Yes. We got. We That's need right. a clean baby in this house. After that, go do whatever you want to do. And, That's right. But she gets that. She's still going to be overruled on certain things. And, you know, yes. I see, like, she likes going to find my wallet or my, her mom's wallet and pull out a credit card. I'm like, how old are you again? You already know what a credit card is or what? I didn't know how it worked. And she <laughs> and runs away with the credit cards. And I'm like, good, good thing you can't swipe on anything in the house, but that's really? a no. That's a no. Yes. And I, I take it no. from you. But mm -hmm. it, it's it's great to have that. Because sometimes I'm telling some of my other people, like, you don't beat her. I say, what? okay, let's say I, I, I beat her because she, she found my wallet laying around and she took out the credit card from the wallet, but she just ran away with it. Then I say, oh, I slap her. Stupid child. Okay. What exactly has that child learned? Exactly. What have I taught the child? Nothing. Not that you, that she's not safe. That's all she learned. And then in the future, one day that child is only going to, all I've put in the child is fear. But one day, exactly. if that child realizes that, oh, I can overcome this fear, but I will come out as a rebel. That's the only thing she can just, I can overcome this fear. He has nothing else to offer other than 
put be afraid of me be afraid of me and once she overcomes that what do i have to, what would uh, right. will i go and call the police on her will i now i will send it to africa or will i i will go and what what so what what exactly do i have to offer other than that beating and then the people are like uh it's not like that. I'm just saying you, you have to discipline. I'm like, you can discipline your child without raising your hand. Do other people, other countries, do you see them, do they have beat, without beating their child, don't they discipline their child too? Or their cultures do it. Do they have two heads? And you're like, well, I like, do you like anything from that culture? Yes, I do. Okay, so do you like the beat? Do they beat their child? Uh, no. So is that is that wrong? Don't you don't you like when you, you take something from because we take from other cultures we take everybody, everybody takes from us too we, right. we, so That's why right. can't you take something good like that and like <laughs> but I well, I got beat as a child I said so bad things so, have to be as a child you got it so you gotta do it I mean I you know with my kids I definitely I have spanked them but we do it with certain specific parameters yeah and the whole goal is like when you're little and you can't think then I might smack you on your bumps to not do something. I'm never going to hit you in anger. But now you start growing bigger. You're not a baby anymore. You five years old, six years old, whatever. You can't spank them as a baby. So it's a small window. Mm -hmm. But what we tried to do is let them know like, hey, here's your choices. Here are the consequences of this choice. Here are the consequences Thank of that you. choice. If you did something wrong, I'm going to tell you that is wrong. If you keep doing it again, I'm going to uh, put you in the timeout. If you do it again, you won't take time out. Now I'm going to smack you. Okay, I don't want to get smacked. Exactly. And then See, the, we were talking you, the other day, you, and you I, just... I was talking to them, and they were like, okay, well, but you know, daddy can spank you. Daddy can spank you. And I was like, yeah. I was like, when's the last time daddy spanked you? They're like, aha. They can't remember because <laughs> it never happens. <laughs> ah. You know, that but is... they're like, no, you have to make a good choice. And that's all I want is for them to think because we go so quickly slap the child. Why? Now if if, if it's just based on the beating, you know, I use I use myself as an example also. Like one of the reasons why I never bothered to learn French in school. I had French teachers at one point in time before I moved to mm. a different city, uh, Ibadan, and then there were no French teachers there. And earlier, I was like, why the fuck I need to learn French? It's uh, I'm I'm, I'm from a Brit I'm Brit I'm a British subject. I'm, I belong to Britain. You know, English. Everybody speaks English in the world. Who speaks French? I don't care about that. Uh -huh. So, but the main reason was that the teacher was going to flog you. And I was like, okay, other than flogging, what else do you have to offer? You can't give me any reason why I should learn French. She couldn't tell me exactly. why I should learn French. So, bring the beating. I could take the And it became that stage where the boys were like, oh, girls like boys who can take a beating. So, big man, and you pop your collar. Yes. So the day that the teacher came to class and she was like, "Bring your notes. Let me see you." Um, and, and nobody in the class took notes. I didn't. I thought it was just me. Everybody in class, nobody took notes. The whole term, two months, nobody had taken notes for French. So she got mad. So like, I can't even beat you myself. She went and got the guy who just lost flogging. So that guy came with like five canes. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, this is this is it. Hallelujah. This is it. I'm so happy. Yes, yes. Line up. Everybody will get it on your back. Ten strokes for everybody." And all, all of us were like, oh, we don't, we don't know what this will feel like on our back because we're prepared for the butt. So we used to wear like yes. extra shorts. But uh -huh. the, now that I was on the back, a girl stepped forward and she took it on her back. Pa, 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 pa. She didn't move. And after, as soon as she didn't move, she just she adjusted her collar and then she, she walked away. No tears, nothing. No flinching. Now all the boys were fighting. Me next. Me next. I'm next. Put me. Put me next. Put me next. Yes. 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 Yeah. I want. I want to show off too. I want to show off because it became, it became a competition. 
Nobody, yes. there was no, the, the, tell what, who understood, not conse what consequences? There were no consequences. That's right. It was until. And there's uh, no, respect no respect for either of those teachers. None. Because they didn't teach respect. They didn't show it. So None. they didn't receive it. So it was like, oh, they're going to flog you today. I'll take the flogging. I'll take the flogging. And that's how, the, until two, three years after I was done with secondary school, I'm in Lagos. Someone's like, hey, I, I have a job that will pay this amount of money. I need somebody who speaks French. Eh? Did they pay money for French? Ah. Tell it, you eh? see? Wait, oh, ah, I fall in French, yo. You mean, you serious? You pay this money? <laughs> chai. You see? I, I'm, I'm there like, chai. Oh, all that flogging was for, yeah, I shouldn't have taken a flogging. I would have taken French, now. <laughs> you see, you see, you see, you see, you see. But now, now, now we see the value. Yeah. I mean, but that's the problem. Because they won't talk to the mm -hmm. child, they're not going to help the young person realize, this is why this is beneficial for you. Like, you may not understand today, but I'm going to teach you, and you're going to do it, and this is why. So even if you don't understand today, we're giving you a path to maybe understand tomorrow. Exactly. A, a journey that you can go on. Yeah. A journey of learning how to learn. But no, we're going to dictate. We said it. And so that's how it's got to be. And the same person you do this when they're 7, 8, 10 years old. But you're going to do it when they're 20. You're going to do it when they're 30. You're going to do it when they're 45. Mm -hmm. And then be looking at the society asking, why are we not where we want to be? And I think that it's, that stuff is done for me. Like for me, me personally, yeah. like I'm very respectful, but I don't hear nonsense from anybody. Mm -hmm. I don't care how old you are. I, I have like, you know, uh, maybe like one uncle where I'll never say anything. Anything he says, I won't say anything. I'm still scared <laughs> to this day. He's a hard man. <laughs> but we, we all got I know somebody. he has wisdom. Yeah. He's a hard man. I know he has wisdom and I know he respects me. So if he tells me something, I may not agree, but I'll humbly, okay, uncle, I understand. Because I know he thought about it before he said anything. A lot of these other people, it's like, oh, I'm an old guy, so I'm coming to tell you something. I'm like, okay. That's it. I'm not going to be disrespectful, <laughs> but I'm not going to, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know you. You are you. You are coming. You are the queen of England now. Huh? Even the queen herself, you could tell me something. Okay. That's it. Like, it gets to a certain point where we realize, nah, we got to use our own brain. We got to find our own decisions. We have to uh, uh, sort of carry our own path and hopefully do so in a way where other people can come along with us rather than this old model of we're going to shut you down yeah. until you're too old to really innovate and really push the envelope, really challenge us. And then you're accepted into the fraternity of people who are not going to change the society. Mm -hmm. Not good enough. No. That's, that, that's, yeah, that, that's why I, even my younger ones who didn't take advice that I gave them and I was, they, it hurts to see them in the position where they are. I still tell them, look, I respect you for choosing the path that you chose to be on, but that was your choice. And yeah, I respect that. And some, they don't, some don't understand what I'm saying, but I'm telling them, you, you've chosen. I gave you some, I made some, um, I did some research for you and I gave you some resources and you like, I don't care. But that's a choice and I'm respecting it. So, because exactly. I did the things, I try to do the things that nobody did for me. I'm like, mm. I don't care if you make more money than me, it's not about that, but I try to make sure you don't have to suffer as I did until I started finding out that, oh, I could do this, oh wow, oh wow, these were the options that I had. So you don't have to repeat that same mistake and then get up to the 30s and then, oh, Oh, so here you go. Here you go. Here you go. But if you want to toe that line, then you make the choice. But you had the right. information that I never had and up to yes. you. And they're like, oh, but I'm like, you're an adult now. You can make decisions.
So Amen. I'll be that uncle who keep telling you that, and you hear it from me. So we we'll take a quick break now, and then when we come back, I'll uh, hit you with some questions into uh, about how you got into your um, tech and music. Hi everyone, your host Raphael Harry here. I can't believe we have gone past our one-year anniversary of doing White Label American. I've had the privilege of speaking with some amazing people, sharing their modern-day immigrant stories. And you've allowed this Nigerian immigrant to share parts of his immigrant journey through this podcast. Also, one of my goals of this podcast is breaking down artificial walls that keep people from getting to understand each other. Based on your wonderful feedback over the last year, I think we have done a decent job in breaking down some of those walls. We would like to continue and expand on this mission, but we need your help. I've had an amazing time creating and producing episodes for this show largely on my own. We have a lot of ideas for new and exciting content to expand upon the mission, but we need direct support from you, our listener, which is why we have created White Label American Patreon page where you can make a one-time donation or become a sustaining contributor where you can get access to exclusive content, help me interview upcoming guests by submitting questions, and even have the chance to sit down with me for a one-on-one conversation, either virtually or in studio. So if this podcast means something to you, and if you really love this show, Think about becoming a sustaining contributor and donating by going to patreon.com slash white label American POD. Thanks for listening and for the privilege of your company. So welcome back, everybody. Now let's uh before before we jump into tech, when when did you begin to wear your signature um are, are they coral beads? Cowrie shells. Cowrie shells. Oh yes, cowrie shells. I've forgotten. I've, 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 I've not used. I've not said cowrie in like how long now? It's been. It's been a while. <laughs> I've, I've, you see this one? I, I need. I need. I need to replace yes. this. I used to have like four of these bracelets, and then somehow yeah. I don't even know. My, I know my mom took one. She was like, "Oh, let me see it," and then she took. And then never <laughs> came back. And then well, I had two friends who went to Accra for the first time, and they brought four for me. That's uh, awesome. As, as, a, as a thank you for recommending Accra to them. And yeah, so I need to get replacements now. But uh, yeah, I don't now. Nah, it's getting, but uh, yeah. So when when did these cowrie shells become your signature, and what does it signify? Good question. Like when? I think the when was probably in the maybe two thousand and four, around two thousand three, two thousand four. And at the time I was a professional musician, I was relatively early in my career then, but I realized that, you know, everyone was wearing like mad diamonds and bling and bling and this thing, thing, and they're all copying each other and doing the same thing because the other people are they're copying it. And like, I've never been interested in like, just being like everybody else. Like peer pressure doesn't work on me. Yeah. If everybody's doing something, by all means I won't do it. 
<laughs> I'm going to assume that it's stupid. Why? Not because I don't think people are smart. Not because I don't think people are good. Not because I don't think that people should, you know, find certain norms. But because as soon as everyone is doing it, it means that they're probably not thinking about it. Mm. And I don't feel comfortable doing things that I ain't think about what I'm doing. I feel like it's dangerous and it's not how I want to live my life. I don't want to be just following blindly. Yeah. So I'm seeing all of these cats and everybody is a MC, bling, bling, bling. And I'm like, eh, you know, I also want to be fly. I don't mind my adornments or whatever, but I don't want to copy you guys because why? So I remember getting a necklace that had like a few calories on it. And I was like, this is really beautiful. And then I have a friend, his name is Jacob, who is in Accra. And he makes these handmade. This thing, you don't see it in a mall. Yeah. Right? It's handmade by yeah. a very brilliant chef. That's that's kind of why I forgot about calories in, in a second. Yeah. And so I, I look at it and I'm like, you know, what does this represent? Back If you look at the at the um the money in Ghana, the city notes, you'll see a symbol of a cowrie shell on it. Because back in the day, these were used as currency. Yeah. In West Africa, parts of East Africa, South Asia, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is like my traditional blink. It represents wealth. It represents power. It represents my culture. It represents a lot of different things in tradition and traditional faith. And just the idea of I come from somewhere and I acknowledge that. And when you see me, you know I'm different. I'm not following anybody. And it reminds you of where I come from. Everyone doesn't see it and know where I come from. Yeah. But they see it and they know I come from somewhere else. And I'm good with that. Beautiful. And you're right. It's 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 currency, it's money. It's a it's real blink. It's the original. It's real blink. It's the original. That's it's right. The original. That's what people That's don't, right. don't get. Because the moment I saw your first photo, I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's one time. And then I saw the next, I was like, okay, oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. Consistent. And, yeah. And, people, and if I go someplace and I'm not wearing the carries, people are like, hey, what happened? Yeah, exactly. That's your curry. I'm like, oh, I was tired. I was just mixing it up. Hey, man, we want to see. I'm like, I wear it for me. I don't wear it for you. Exactly. But it's good that people have acknowledged that, oh, that's like a trademark. Like, yes, this is my heritage. And it's a simple thing. It's a small thing. Mm-hmm. But I try to be consistent with it. Because I always want when people see me and because you can see me anywhere and you hear the accent. Oh, he went to this. He did that. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, he he's not African. I know I am. Yeah, I am fundamentally. Now, mind you, I'm also American. Fine. Mind you, I'm also, you know, global cultural experiences around the world. And I'm happy with all of that. But where's my root? You know, where's yeah. my culture? I have to give honor to my heritage, give honor to Mother Africa, who birthed all of humanity. And she has not been respected the way she should be. So I'm signifying where I stand. And people who want, they ask and they come to know. I love that. And, you know, I just thought about it while you were speaking that, you know, I, I was someone who couldn't, you know, back in the days when I tried to copy a lot of the bling culture, I was like, oh, this is way too heavy on my neck. You know, I, I just, I didn't feel comfortable with having it around me. And uh, yeah, when yeah, I got yeah. stationed, because I got to stay in Bahrain for um, almost 16 months. And mm. I was there during Arab Spring, one of the best times in my life. 
Um, I don't mean the protest, the damage from the protest, but I mean it, the ex it, it helped me evolve as a human being, my encounter with the people. Uh, it, it changed me a lot. And being over there, if you were stationed there, there was no way you never you didn't get to make um, jewelry, get yourself some gold and all that. So, you know, I got, I got joined, the, I fell for the peer pressure and went into the, the souk. I still have my uh, Barini gold guy's number. He calls me once in a while, like, hey, man, you want to make some gold? I'm like, I, I was never really a gold person. And my wife's not really into jewelry like that. So <laughs> I locked out. <laughs> so I went, I remember the first time I went there and he was like, oh, you know, you have Navy guys love this type of, and he put one or like, it looked like a Mr. T type of chain and he put it on my, I was like, hell no, man, hell no. I, I, can't, I can't walk to the door with this, like, hell no. Like, but in all those moments, I think if someone had just brought my attention, like, hey, you know, you can just wear cowries or mm -hmm. the traditional beads like this, you know, uh, uh, the coral yes. beads that um, the Igbos yes. have. And I know my tribe has something also with coral beads. Yeah. It never occurred to me that I could wear that around my neck. You know, it's, it, yeah. was, it was only for traditional marriages. Like, it had to be a funeral. It had to be some, but just you could wear that as your own thing with a T-shirt. Yes. Why can why didn't that why wasn't that something that dawned on me like hey just make that your own thing like every day be you exactly and and the thing is it's like we can do it to this day I remember some of my family members when I I first started wearing the carries they're like ah nah nah why are you wearing this juju thing I'm like what what are you talking about juju first of all juju is just a, a, a derogatory way to speak about our traditional religion so yes. I don't buy that. You yeah. also you see somebody in church and they're talking about the body and the blood of Christ. You don't say juju. Yeah, so why exactly. are you not telling me any juju at all? I don't want to hear it. Secondly, this is where we come from, bro. Yeah. This is our culture. This is us. I ain't copying nobody else. This is my thing. So there's no reason why we shouldn't do that. I see people all over the world wearing their cultural elements. And, and, we'll, and, we'll, and, we'll, glad, and we'll gladly wear it. We will gladly it. wear it. Exactly. And you look fresh and it's cool and it's distinctive. You know, and it's funny because interesting conversations happen. Some people come up to me and they'll be like, this guy uh, said to me like, well, does people ever ask like, is it like shark's teeth or something like that? And I'm like, yeah, you could come and ask me. Somebody asked me like, oh, is that made of shark's teeth? I'm like, no, no, these are not shark's teeth. They're human. Oh, you have such a lovely smile. <laughs> hey, end of conversation. Don't worry, you're asking me stupid things. Ah, you can, I come with respect. I, like, I look like I'm the shark fisherman. <laughs> I'm like, I got nah, it from, so, from the first dinosaur. It keeps things interesting. But most people will be coming and curious, like before the world closed with this COVID, I would always have people come to me at airports and say, oh my God, that's so beautiful. What is that? Oh, really? Where is it from? And we and it brings a conversation. Yeah. I don't know. There was one guy who would talk to me every time I go through immigration in Johannesburg. I'm like, you know what this is, huh? I was like, I know what it is. Like, yeah. So you're a proper African man. I'm like, I'm a proper African man. He's like, yeah. You know we have this too in our culture. I was like, yeah. It's like, okay. And and then whenever I would come back for business, he'd be like, ah, yeah, I see you. I'm like, me, I see you too. <laughs> you know, and it's just like it's beautiful. And I I love that yeah. idea of bringing culture to the four. Now, you're from somewhere. Me, I'm from somewhere. Let's connect. That's right. I think that that's a good thing. And we need more of that ability to connect with respect across cultural lines. That's right. Yeah, that, that's why I, I, this became like my, you know, it took over my wristwatches even. 
You know, that's what's up. You know, I, 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 I ended up making myself a silver, um, a white gold bracelet because that's, that's like, I got to make something before I leave yeah, Bahrain. Yeah. I made that. It's, it's somewhere. I can't. I hope my daughter hasn't found it because she probably put it on one of our dolls or teddy bears, whichever. But yeah, but <laughs> this one, this one, I'm like, ah, no. Probably that's why it's wider now because she found it once. And I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it needs to go somewhere higher. But I already yeah. talked to a friend, um, a friend in Tanzania, and a friend in um, a friend who's going back to Nigeria. They both want to compete and bring something from me. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out. Dope. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I love our handcrafted um, bracelets. Bracelets are my thing. I, I, mm. I love them, and yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm far more comfortable with, with myself now. Like I even saw one of our sisters. Um, she's Chadian, and she does mm. a show on, on Instagram, and she wore one recently, but it was a little bit bigger. And I was like, "Sister, that is gorgeous!" Like when, um, and I Yo. thought about it. I was like, "I've only seen women wearing it." But I was like, "I don't care. I'll wear it. Where can I get it?" And she, Yo, she gave me. I was like, "You know," because at why first, I, at first, I was like, "That's so gorgeous, and I love it." And I was, I was like, "Oh, wait a minute. Why, why am I even? Con what? What?" I need it. I, I wear it and I wear it with with confidence. I wear it everywhere. With confidence, yeah, because now when you wear it, it looks like a man's thing. When it you is, wear it, it's, looks like it's a woman's mine. thing. Real way, you just like, do your like, thing. Like my daughter says, it's mine. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I wear it, it's mine, and people are gonna see it and like, hey, um, I thought only you thought wrong. Now you've met me. It's mine, you know. It's mine. Yeah, I colonized it. I gentrified it. Whatever. I know. I, I, I exactly. I just moved. It. I discovered it. <laughs> I discovered it. <laughs> oh I man! Columbus, that whole joint. <laughs> oh man! I, I still remember the day I was sitting down in the bathroom with with the boys in the hood, and yeah. somebody just you know they they were smoking a blunt, but I, I was still in that blunt. Was I was getting out of the everybody who smokes were, were, were bad people. But by mm -hmm. then I was mixing up with the people, but I was still like, I'm not smoking. I'll be judging yeah. people in a way. Yeah. So I'm, the cracks are happening. And I'm sitting there and just out of the blue, the guy just says, so you mean Mongo Park came all the way from Scotland, jumped in uh, the river, he jumped in a river, he came to Mali, jumped in a river and followed the river all the way and they ended up here before even Nigeria existed. And then, oh, I discovered this river is River Niger. Wow, the people there, you're looking, eh? So this water is just, it's just there. Wow, look at the water. Ah, look at the water. Wow, this, this guy just come from Scotland. I have discovered it. It is your river. Yeah, now. the people, the people that are walking around, they never notice. They the never notice. They are thirsty. Oh, for hundred years they are the, thirsty. They are the, to drink. They're just there. Eh? Looking. Ah, they didn't know. Nonsense. And then, Nonsense. Yeah, it's the garbage he, that they he, teach people. He just turns around call the school and looks at everybody and like, why, 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 did they? Why did we have to take tests on this? And he discovered, right. and everybody like, no, right. nobody could answer. Right. And I was like, oh yeah, well, how did he discover? It? And as soon as you start asking those questions, then the conversation changes. Yeah. I watched this film a couple months ago called Exterminate All the Brutes. Mm. By Raul Peck, legendary. Oh film. yeah, that's that. I, that, that Raul Peck is a, that, yeah, any that, work from Raul Peck is yeah. It, uh, right, I, I agree. So when you get a chance, brother, check out this on HBO Max or whatever. It's HBO. Oh, okay, it's on HBO. Oh, that probably why I haven't seen it. Yeah, and it's Raul Peck. It's called Exterminate All the Boots, and it's basically a history of the creation of the modern West, and it talks about how. Colonizers came in from Europe, 
and destroyed these societies, like just exterminated people. Mm-hmm. How the, the Western world is built on genocide. It is. Now, people don't want to hear it because it makes them feel bad. But I'm like, it might make you feel bad. But what about the repercussions of that for all the people and their families and the descendants of those who suffered these horrible crimes against humanity when you are acting like it didn't happen so you don't feel good and that they're still living with the legacy of it and you're not considering how that feels. Yeah. And this is the stuff that where there has to be a reckoning. There there has to be an understanding of what is humanity and who is human and what makes us so. And as as long as you've decided that, Humanity is in the in the the voice of those who get to speak based upon the battles they've won. Then those who are there living, living and growing and breathing in society are only it's so va- seen as valuable as determined by their value is only insofar as they have been able to visit extraordinary violence against other people. Mm-hmm. And I reject this as a definition of humanity. I reject it. That's not what humanity is. That's not what this is all about. And so we don't want to talk about it because you're going to make you feel bad. But all of our modern institutions are rooted in the same crimes. Exactly. And at a certain point, there must be a reckoning. Where do we go from here? How do we compensate the people who were stolen from, people whose families, the resources were eroded and destroyed? How do we look at the people who are coming up and enable them to also live and thrive. And it is a guaranteed reckoning. Why? Because what we were talking about earlier, look at the birth rates. Mm -hmm. Western countries are coming down. Many other places are coming down. Africa is going up. So sooner or later, you're going to need somebody to help you when you are old. That's right. That person will be African. Yeah. It's inevitable. And what we need to do is to build relationships of understanding and respect. Now, why don't people want to acknowledge what was done? Because they scared you gonna come do the same thing to them that they did to that, you. That, that, that's where uh, they all coming from. Oh, they, they're just gonna come in and wipe us out. And- they're just gonna come wipe us out. And I'm just like, ah, 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 pause my brother, wait, so. Do you think we gonna come and treat you the way we treated us? But we come from a different cultural framework. Exactly. Right? And so, that different cultural framework needs to take a more assertive stance for our own sake and our own dignity and honor, mm-hmm. but also for the sake of other people who are scared of what's coming down a bike. <laughs> to be like, listen, we saw that you did wickedness. Me, I'm not trying to be a wicked person. God will reckon with you. God will reckon with me too. I am choosing a path that I think can lead to a better world. We must be assertive in establishing who we are and what we believe in for our own sake and for the sake of the people that we connect with around the world. And the hope is that those people will start to see like, yo, the kind of humanity, the way that these guys articulate the essence of humanity, I'm feeling it. I wanna be a part of that. And so you don't find victory in the span of time from coming and crushing the people who tried to crush you. No, you come from evangelizing a better way of life, not through word, but through action. Actions, yeah. And through the storytelling. And that's why I work in the media entertainment field. I'm not just out here to make films and TV shows and movies for fun and for kicks. 
I want to do stuff that lets people feel their value, mm. that lets people see that, hey, I, I'm also part of this. And I want to do that for Africans. I want to do it for the Indians. I want to do it in people from the Philippines and in and in Paraguay and 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 in Argentina. I want to do it for people in Canada and and in Berlin and 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 and, and Detroit. Why not? Exactly. Why can't we Why go not? to somebody in in the heart of Beirut and be like, "We see you. Let's hear your story through your own mouth, through your own eyes." Because everybody has a story. Colonization of the mind mm -hmm. that comes when only certain people's stories are perceived to be valuable. And therefore, they're the ones we have to hear from in every interpretation of the world. And meanwhile, the world is going sideways in a handbasket to God knows where. No, it's time to have a different kind of relationship with one another and with the amplification of voice. And that's why the work we do is under the banner of Take Back the Mic. Mm. The entire principle is that historically there's only been a few people whose voices have been amplified enough that the world or the community, the society gets to hear and has to embrace their ideology. Well, this is the first generation in human history that has the talent and the technology to speak for itself. So we should take back the, take mic, back the mic and let this generation speak for itself. I love that. You know, and it, it's part of, you know, Game, giving a voice to the people who haven't been given a voice. That's how this podcast came to be. And the name, White Label American, because you know, people are like, oh, wait, what kind of name is that? And I'm like, if you look back to when most of us migrated here, the picture of who was the, the immigrants, the American, you know, the, the immigrants in America was, it, it wasn't people of my skin color. It was, right. it was a family, it was usually white European family, Husband, wife, two kids, picket fence, you know, you live mm. in suburban America, you don't want to live, it's like you can't stay in the city, you can't stay in Brooklyn, you can't stay in Harlem, you can't, like they just, and you just had that mindset and it's like, oh, I come to America, this is yeah. the American dream. But mm. when my friend recommended the name White Label, and he said, companies White Label all the time. So right. White Label American should be your, your podcast name because now you're reclaiming the, the, the name American. Because literally Amen. you're doing what they did when they came and said, you people, you guys living on this land, you don't count anymore. We are the people now. So we're going to name it America. We're going to name it yeah. Americans. But this yeah. is the picture of American that mm -hmm. exists. And this podcast is like, uh, no, we're not going by that definition anymore. Mm -hmm. Americans are more than that picture. And we recognize people who were uh, brutalized, traumatized, we recognize those who've been successful, we recognize mm -hmm. those who have failed because failure is part of our story and we, not, we don't process. just sell only the model immigrant. No, we right. sell everybody. The only people who we don't bring on this podcast are those who come here and be like, oh, Oled, we are the only immigrants who should exist. Fuck everybody else. Get out, get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they are play, they already, other, other platforms already exist for you. So bye-bye, go. That's right. We don't need you here. That's right. Yeah, they already, we, we don't need you yet. So that's why the name White Label American um, was name chosen for this podcast. And that's how it came to be. And it's beautiful when I always have a guest like you who um, makes me rec remember the reason why this podcast uh, took off in the first place. And, you know, you, 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 you make me rec uh, remember my purpose and mm. strengthen my purpose. Yeah, that's the, the, the term I was looking for. 
So it's it just that's why I'm so glad that you came on this show. It makes it extra beautiful. So you're you're not just only in the media space and trying to bring stories from not only um, different parts of Africa. And there are so many stories from all over Africa. Like Africa alone can, I mean, you, you can get there's like three thousand tribes in Africa. They're ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. And each one has, I mean, you can create multiple universities. Well, it's 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 a whole genre. Like every, we have everything. We have everything. Like Nollywood is tiny. To be honest, Nollywood is tiny. Based on the stories Nollywood tells, it's tiny. Mm. When you start going into each culture, each like, come on, it's it's Amazing. like we we, we haven't Absolutely. even we haven't really touched African gods. That's exactly we haven't right. even touched African gods. If we want to get serious and go That's there, right. and when we start bringing that out and hitting that, people going, but whoa, whoa, African god, wait, wait, yeah, wow, I didn't, yeah, I'm like, yeah, you haven't even when we start, yeah, people going to be like, whoa, like, yeah, there's gods who from Cape Town to Casablanca to Cairo to Khartoum, everybody got something, and that's right. When people start going to start, and that's why I love this time that we are in and i don't really buy the people who are like oh films are not the same all this should be back to the old medium like go 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 back to the 50s then bye-bye you go get your time travel machine go i'm enjoying this <laughs> Enjoy. time where we have mm-hmm. more access to content people are now people, the, those with the bigger platforms are recognized now yes africa is not one big country yes it's technically we have well one country but we have many people and that's right each people have stories to tell and have the right to bring their stories to the scene. And um, right. one quick point I like to throw in, which you mentioned, you know, it was just uh, it was a few years ago that I I got to find out that the um, one of the first genocides that doesn't even get talked about, you know, now it's been getting uh, like recently it's been getting a lot of uh, airtime was um, thirty years before World War Two, before the genocide, uh, the Holocaust happened. Thirty Namibia. years before that was the genocide in Namibia. Yes. By mm-hmm. by by the by the, so yes. it was by the Germans, and yep. when you it's a very brutal genocide that no it's like a lot of Africans are not even aware of took that took place on the continent. Right. Thirty years. Right. Hitler was Hitler was a teenager. He was a little boy. Yeah. So there were people who took brutal action on the continent that people still don't. I haven't reconciled and like, oh, you know, but they're okay with let's, uh, they, because they did the right thing when it came to compensating Israel. And that's why I say you can do the right thing. You know how to do the right thing when it comes to compensating and, yes. others. Because uh, yes. New Zealand, people don't also talk about that. New Zealand got reparations also. Maori's but got reparations. Yeah, the Maori's got reparations. But it's like very shh, shh, shh. Don't don't talk about it, kind of thing. Yeah, you don't want to get was, the word to get out. But it was by mistake. <laughs> I, I found I found out about it, and I was like, wait. So you can do the right thing. You know the right thing yes. to do. So yes. you can do it, and that's why I was glad that uh, the Herero tribe, and I've gotten the second tribe that um, would face the brunt of the genocide from um, the the Germans, said no to the new deal after Germany technically apologized, but offered only $1.2 billion for 30 years. I'm like, come on, I, I, come on. I, I, you, you know the writing. You should be offering, if you had offered only those two tribes, $1.2 billion every year for 30 years, I was like, okay, that's kind of you know, it's tolerable. But yeah. to say the whole country will give you $1.2 over 30 years, like get out of here. 
over 30 years. Yeah, that was the deal. It's a stupid but garbage the, deal. But the government accepted it. Yeah. What? Except for the two tribes who are like, nah, we'll sue you now. They already sued them on their own. They're like, we're not part of Good. this. Yeah, so. Good. But yeah, I, 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 I inserted like... the, the Nollywood. You seen that Nollywood meme, that uh, video. It's like, get out of here. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, yeah that, right. As soon as they announced it, I was like, get out of here. Come on. You know, you know, no, because, that. because the, it, the thing is like, you know that it's not right. They know that it's not right. Yeah, no. And at the end of the day, you know, people have to know their own worth. Mm -hmm. And these stories and w w see, this is why it comes back to what we were talking about with how you train children. If you raise children to take smacks and shut up, then they are more easily dominated when they get older. They yeah. may rebel against, may not like it, but they've been taught, they've been crushed down. Mm. Children need to learn to think and be free and to find their voice and find their power. A powerful person is actually easier to deal with. I'm not talking about power in the geopolitical sense where people people do anything just to get the, the, the edge on the next person. I'm talking about in the internal, deeply fundamental spiritual sense. Yeah. I always tell my wife, there's nothing more dangerous in the world than an insecure man. That's true. Because what will happen is they'll do anything to try to hide the insecure, try to feel okay. Mm -hmm. And yet we're out here cutting, chopping men, chopping women down from the time they're children. So of course they're going to grow up with insecurities and they can be led around the nose by all kinds of people. So now you see the wickedness that is visited upon Africa, the wickedness that's been visited upon many peoples all around the world yeah. to this day. Yes. And then you see all the folks who will quietly watch it happen and be like, ah, well, because they weren't taught to know, let your yay be yay, let your nay be nay. Like, no, it's not right. We don't believe in this. Mm -hmm. It's not acceptable. And so the folks who went and perpetrated genocide against Africans came home and then perpetrated genocide against Europeans. Their own people. Yeah. They decided, you're not enough of us. You're not like us, and you're not like us, and you're not like us. And all of you, your lives are worth nothing. Watch and see if you were there in Germany in those days, and you're like, but this is not right. These Jewish people are just trying to live. Let them be. They'll kill you too. Yeah. I don't care how blonde your eyes are or your, your hair or whatever. It doesn't matter. Once you've decided that eh, humanity is not worth as much, I'll take it to another level. You look at what's happening in South Africa today. It's a lot of drama, economically, you know, uh, uh, security-wise, whatever. Why is there so much violence in South Africa? Because it was a society that was built on violence against black people. Yes. And violence begets violence. Mm -hmm. And so once you've said some people are less than, the humanity's not worth as much. Well, then there you go. Look at what's going on in the United States. We got more uh, mass murders, mass shootings than there's been days of the year. Mm -hmm. That's true. What? what? What is going on? And why? Well, because you have a society that was founded on the devaluation of human life.
And then we go lie about it, pretend it didn't happen. It wasn't really like that. Oh, Columbus discovered America. Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah, Nonsense. You're discovering, you're, yeah. you're coming into yeah. my house. You're drinking beer from my fridge. You're talking about you discovered Bud Lights. <laughs> oh, me, I bought it. Ah, I mean, it's foolishness. It's foolishness and everybody knows it's garbage. But this is what we're still teaching children. Ah, it's Columbus Day. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Is it? Okay, so what are we reflecting on then? And so when you then said we're going to build a society, we're going to commit genocide against Native peoples. We're going to commit genocide against African peoples. We're going to have all other kinds of peoples coming to help build a society. We're not going to give them credit. Yeah. We're going to let the Chinese come build a railroad. We're going to kick them out. Yeah, you kick the them Japanese out. are here. They're part of the society. Oh, we don't like you guys. We'll put them in internment camps. camps. Yeah. Mexicans is here. Well, half of the country was Mexico. Maybe not half, but a big chunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, how are these Mexicans, how are these Mexicans going to come to, to San Diego? They're coming over the border to San Diego. Mexicans are coming up and we're seeing them in San Francisco. Mexicans in I mean, Los the, Angeles. I'm like, the, what? The name Los is Diego, Los... San Francisco, <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> and you talking about Mexicans is the problem. Yeah. It's so stupid. And so at the end of the day, we have to look up and say, like, hey, we, we denigrated so many people. Yes. We keep finding reasons to strip people of their humanity. And we wonder why our society doesn't value human life. It is in everybody's interest to start having honest conversations. I want to hear you say this stuff. It's like, oh, this person's a troublemaker. I'm like, no, I'm a peacemaker. The peace can only come when there's honesty about how we got to where we are. Yeah. You can't have a solution to your medical problem if you don't have the adequate diagnosis, you come in, you have a tummy ache, they cut off your leg. Now your leg and your tummy both hurt. It's not how this is done. Yeah, that's right. We need to diagnose the problem. That's right. Take it from That's right. So let's begin to wrap it up. You've given me a lot of your time and I appreciate you brought up for that. You know, uh, you, you, you're such a great audience. I, I could do like 10 hours with you, honestly. But, you know, I don't know. I know you got a lot of stuff to go on, too. So really appreciate you. So um, for AMP Global, you know, before you started AMP Global, before I ask officially about AMP Global, there was one thing that happened. Um, you you went viral um, during Obama's first term. Uh, yeah, while he was running for president, first first term. How, how did that how did you handle that going viral moment? How how did that you know whole thing go about with you? Was it you know that this was before the internet was what the internet is today? That's right. So how, what was that like? You know when people say you are going, you went viral then. Is it the same like going viral today? I think so. I think so. I mean, it was crazy because that was all around this conversation about Obama and healthcare. And um, and it was quite funny because what happened is I would go to like I'll be traveling and I'll be at the airport and some people would come up to me like yo I mean hey are you Derek Ashan I'm like hmm? happened to me on a subway one time are you Derek Ashan I would literally got to the point where I couldn't go like travel and somebody wouldn't recognize me within the United States yeah. overseas is different so that was crazy but then people were seeing it overseas as well I'm getting all these messages from all around the world. So it was quite an interesting thing. I had already been doing a lot of cool stuff in my career, but I think that that notoriety opened up new doors and that enabled me to have some new experiences that were also really cool. 
Nice. For me, I've never really sought the spotlight per se. I'm trying to build things and tools like Amp Global. It's a technology company. And the technology basically rewards people for engaging with content. You watch, you share, you get points, blah, blah, blah. There's really cool things that can happen with those points and we're building and growing. For those of you who haven't seen what we do, check out takebackthemic.com, takebackthemic.com. Uh, we're going to be launching some really wonderful stuff in the beginning of July, which is very momentarily. Yeah, yeah. I'll, and, I'll, I'll um, have both, um, links in the show notes too. Fantastic, fantastic. And basically, I'm focused on how do we help amplify other voices. So I use my voice. I'm good at you know articulating my ideas, but I don't want to be the orga. Now I know me, I know what's happening. You people, you must come to me to see what's going, going on. Yeah. You know, me, I have the power. I'm like, yeah, if I have some, how can I use it to help other people build their own power? So for example, we have a series that we launched this year called The Mike Africa. What is it? It's a music competition and a documentary series. Mm-hmm. And we started it in Latin America called Take Back the Mic, which yeah. is the name of a whole app and platform now, much more than a show. And Take Back the Mic was like, Anthony Bourdain travel show meets American Idol music competition. So now we started with Brazil, Colombia, and Jamaica. The kids use the platform to decide what they thought was hot, which artists they love. The artists rise up in the ranks based on the engagement. And then the, the top ones in each country were cast in the show. Now we took it to television this year with the Mike Africa for the first time, Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, Rwanda, South Africa, and Mauritius. And we allowed the community to use this app. Watch and share, I get points. The artist gets points too. They rise up the charts, top artists, cast in the show. Number one artist won a big prize, won a trip to Rwanda. Top scoring fans uh, won the prize too. Wow. Now we're expanding because that was the first television format that was ever come out of the African continent. When you ask people what's the big show in Nigeria, they'd be like, ah, BB Niger. Yeah. You know, Big Brother Africa. Mm-hmm. We have X Factor. I'm like, that's cool. Your South Africa's got a real housewives of Johannesburg. Okay, that's all good, but it all came from outside. Where's our indigenous format that everyone is now watching around the world? It's never been done. So we set out to do that. That's true. And that is an example of what I mean. Like, I am here building this company and creating the show and this and this and that. But the fundamental theory behind it is, why don't we amplify the voices of this next generation? So these kids selected the hottest artists in these countries, and we told their stories. Mm. And a few weeks ago, you know, as I mentioned, uh, I don't know if I mentioned actually, but they they picked this 12,000 uh, uh, can, uh, candidates every year for the Telly Awards. And of them, they shortlist 25. And that includes people like Disney and HBO and Netflix. Wow. And uh, last month we won two Telly Awards amongst that top 25. We won a gold and a silver. Yeah. With the biggest dogs on the block, right? For what? For a story of a Nigerian kid. He's an MC in a tough neighborhood with a very powerful message. Beautiful. So here we are, Beautiful. showcasing the best of Africa as spoken through the voices of African artists. And I think that's what our work, our technology, and our media can do for young people and communities in Africa, in the Middle East, in South Asia and Southeast Asia, North Asia and Latin America, and we come to Europe and Americas as well to show what happens when you give people a chance to speak for themselves. And I think that is what I would like to contribute to society. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. You know what? That 
that could all, almost be the answer to the final cue, but I'm still going to ask the final cue separate. So, um, so if people want to get on, um, so f to take part in um, the AMP Global, uh, the Take Back the Mic, is it only for those on the African continent uh, or nearby, or like, can I like being in US? Oh, I can take my, Okay, so it's, uh, I'm, uh, my brother, I'm glad you asked me this one. We are non-discriminatory. Everyone can participate. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, awesome. we had I think it was like 128 countries participated in the um, in the Mike Africa season one. Beautiful. There were only six countries competing. Yeah. 128 countries participated in selecting who the artists were and who would win. That is, it's amazing. That's, that's it. And the that's beauty it. is now we're expanding. So the Mike Africa season two is in 10 countries. The first six, Lovely. Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, Rwanda, South Africa, Mauritius. Now we're adding, you know, um, Senegal, Ethiopia, Morocco, Tanzania, right? Mm -hmm. And basically people from anywhere can help elevate these artists by watching and sharing great and as the artists are elevated the fans are rewarded as well and we think it becomes a great standard to set of how community can speak to each other uh across these borders we think of it as a global conversation in your local language so the mike africa is the birth but starting next year after the end of the season of the mike africa season two which is coming up in a few months you'll see it exploding in a variety of territories that we're working on right now Beautiful. And so, yes, everyone is welcome. Everyone is invited. We're doing Africa today. Tomorrow, we will be coming to your neighborhood as well. But we are all part of the conversation no matter where we go. Awesome. And that's true. We are all part of the conversation no matter where we go. That's great. And I, one thing I love about your platform is that, you know, one problem I have with other platforms, not that they are similar to yours, is that when they say we, we, are, we are doing something for Africa, it's like they just because they want to three countries and like the, the usuals but you have yep. countries like mauritius mauritius an african country there are people who are like yes. what i've never heard of mauritius i'm yes. like uh it's an african country i've always known mm -hmm. about that and then for your part two you have morocco there's some people like oh we don't talk to north africans and i'm like they are africans without morocco yeah. you wouldn't have the african union they were a founding yes. member and no matter what how you feel about western sahara which is a whole different conversation i get mm -hmm. it I I get it honestly, but mm -hmm. it still doesn't say that you rule out the whole not not Africa. No, they are part That's of right. Africa. It's like saying Egypt's not Africa right. because um, most people like to put them in the Middle East. It's an African country that That's handles right. Middle Eastern affairs too. They are still African. That's right. right, like it or not. So I love that you're including all of Africa in in the project, and it's beautiful to hear that. So I can't. Um, let you go without two great uh two fun questions you've been okay. to so many places lived in so many places handled uh touched so many spaces when it comes to food where does your loyalty lie with my loyalty lies with ghana jollof ah it's ah, simple this, this man didn't even waste time he didn't waste time. He didn't even think about it. No delay. No delay. There's no delay. I, mean, I, mean, I want my Ghana jollof. Let me, I want let me, my let me start. Let me, let, let I want Shito with it. Shito, yeah. I, I, just, I just bought Shito yesterday. There me. you see. I took a South African guy to uh, West African store. Uh, it was a Nigerian woman. I owned the store. I was like, come, let me go okay. show you our, our store. The guy was okay. there. He was like, Wait. I was like, we went on a Sunday and 
we got there, I was like, oh, they're, they're not open. They said open sign was there and door didn't open. I was like, uh, yeah, West African stores can be, you know. There's the GMT, the Ghana maybe time. So like, yeah, so we're going to see you at two. Yeah, yeah, you see me at two, maybe three, yeah. maybe four. I'm like, and then oh, I was man. like, oh, there's another store yeah. down the street. Let's go to that one. Went there, same thing, big sign, open, door didn't open. Like, all right, let's let's go. And as we turned back, we had a bus, door open. Um, was like, oh, sorry, my brother. Uh, you, you call me next time you're coming. I said, I'm just coming to your store for the first time. I would like call you. <laughs> I don't have your number. <laughs> she's, she's running around like, you want this one? You want this one? And then she, she allows my wife walk walk by. And after my wife is gone, she's like, oh, I have special thing for men. You want the special one for men? That one that will keep you, give you energy? I give you that one. And she thought she was talking to two people that understood. The South African guy, the other started a single thing. So I was like, <laughs> after the woman left, I was like, bro, she was talking to you too. He was like, about what? I said, mm-hmm. um, do you need extra energy? We call we, sometimes we call uh, it monkey. Monkey must climb. The power. The power. <laughs> monkey must climb. So I showed him the drink. <laughs> she had a whole section. He said, "Hey, yeah, he was like, something. hey, what is this, man?" I was like, "I was like, oh, you, you guys have a message. This is West Africans. Now, I've, your wife's yes. gonna thank me. Don't tell your wife I brought you here, but you know, now, now you know, now you know, now you know." You want to cook jollof? This is the jollof side. But if you want to go, you want to make baby number three, four, five. Yeah, this is where you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they have the special herbs and spices. <laughs> okay. So funny. So with you being in the music space, yeah. This one, this one will be. This one might be a little bit tough for you, but I'm here for this. I want this is a controversial one. Now this should be controversial a little uh. bit. I hope it is. I want you to spill the tea. I need you to dance for. And I know you dance, so you can't deny that you, you, you're a dancing man. So mm-hmm. you have to dance for an hour. What? Give me at least three artists that will keep you dancing for an for an hour. If you have to shake it down or boogie down for an hour, who can keep DNA for an hour? Well, for obviously, Fela comes on, among because okay. you know the, the the beat goes on About me forever. Yeah, right. I definitely think Sean Paul. Ooh. bringing the ruckus that stuff keeps super fly okay and then like you got to look at the new generation burner you know you make it hot so i think those would be three dope ones but if you allow me a little bit more i gotta tell you parliament funkadelic i mm. love that stuff from you know jump did it james brown super super funky and then my old Funk. traditional highlights you know, I, like I was they, waiting. I'm wine. You I just was. get a little smooth groove. So <laughs> he came, Yamiti, Mensa, the old boys. Ah. Uh, and if you want to take a current, Osibisa. Osibisa. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, 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 if you're dancing for an hour, you are, you are not even dancing. You are warming up. So <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I, I, knew, I knew I was, I was talking to a professional here, yeah, so you know. But I just had to go with an hour to make it, you know, just you know. No doubt, but, no doubt. Because uh, I was just waiting. I said, I was like, ah, don't, if he doesn't say high life, hey, hey, hey I just said Ga- hey, Ghana yeah, people, represent. Ghana people, come, represent. come for him or don't come for me. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, me, I'm, I'm, I'm already shouted out your love. I haven't said anything about ah. Komi Kekenam. I haven't spoken about Fufui. So these guys are coming for me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's why I always love to throw these fun questions. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. Um, so the final question to wrap mm-hmm. it up: 
what would you like to leave the audience with? I know you've dropped a lot of gems and you know, there's a lot of great points that you've dropped that could have technically answered this question, but just freestyle, you know, something to wrap it up, you know, your final thing you'd like to leave the audience. Yo, the world is ours. Our destiny is on our own hands and we have an opportunity to do better for ourselves and for each other. We need to seize that opportunity. There's not a lot of time to continue the way things work. So let's make things the way we want them to be. And I believe we can do this together. I love that. I love that. I can't thank you enough. You know, I've forgotten. Uh, let me see. Do I ever know how to say thank you in any of my... Uh, I think I used to know how to say thank you in three. But huh? um, I think I ate too much Banku day for yesterday. <laughs> and I ate, I ate trophy. Midassi. Bedassi. Midassi. Midassi. You see that? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I will forget that as soon as I leave the studio now. Blame the trophy. Blame the trophy that I ate last night. <laughs> so, yeah. But oh, yeah, okay. in my language, it's Mbana. So Mbana for coming to the studio. Mbana. Yeah. And uh, um, but I've been learning a little Swahili too. So Asante Asana too. So I try to throw it all. You know, and my wife's German. So I say Dankeschön too. So you know, at least if you say thank you in every language. You know, you, hey, Dankeschön, no all day, no you, doubt. You, no you, doubt. You, you get you know, a, you get, you, yeah, you get a free beer and if there's palm wine. You know, I can't wait for fresh palm wine. I miss fresh palm wine because it's... Uh, <laughs> Ah, that, that's the that's the main thing I miss from back home. Fresh that, palm that, wine. That one is hard to get in in New York City. Oh, no, no, fresh no. palm wine. Ah, if if so much. if anybody can figure that out, that is when um uh, I might marry the person. I'm my wife. Sorry, sorry, honey, but uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I, I, you know, you, you know me. I'm, I'm edit that part before your wife listens to the podcast. She's yeah, like, my, my, my wife. Money's money for palm wine. <laughs> she, my wife loves, you just said Danka Shane, now he's switching teams. My, my wife loves, <laughs> she, she knows that if there are certain things that can make me cross the line. I can be like, you know what, I don't care if he's a man or woman. I'll be like, oh, they, 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 they can, I'm easy, you can bribe me with that one, I beg. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you a lot. Um, do, I'm, I'm, I'm going to add the links that you already mentioned, but if you have any other no. plug-in that you'd like me to add. No, that's it. We're starting the casting for the Mike Africa Season 2, so check us out, takebackthemike.com. Over okay. the next few weeks, you're going to be discovering artists from 10 countries across the continent, and we're going to together elevate them to the next level. All righty. So to everyone listening, thank you for giving us your time. We appreciate you all. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and if you want to join us on Patreon, look for the White Label American Podcast, you know taking down artificial walls is what we do and um yeah if you want to write us a letter please do send us a letter we, we're having a feedback episode soon so yeah do that so thank you all and i appreciate you all and thank you for the um, privilege of your company see you next week thanks for listening to white label american if you enjoy the show we'll appreciate if you rate review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from if you have any questions comments or have someone who will be a good guest on the show or you want to be on the show send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on facebook and instagram at white label american thank you for your support